What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Home Field Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Dabro, and we're here for episode five. So in today's episode, what we're going to do is we're going to cover game three of the NBA Finals between the LA Lakers and the Miami Heat. Also, we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of week four in the NFL. But for this episode, in regards to the NFL, we're going to do something different. We're going to do like a quarterly report. So today we'll focus on every team in the AFC. We'll give each team a letter grade, and then we'll move on from there. And then to wrap up the episode, one of my friends has been having a rough go of it lately based on the teams that he's supporting. So you will see why I have a bottle of Jack Daniels in my hand and why I'm going to have a little bit of sympathy for him at the end of the episode. But we'll get to that later. So without further ado, let's move on to the NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Heat. So they just finished up Game 3 about 25, 30 minutes ago, and Miami ended up winning, and now they have made the series 2-1 to one in favor of the Lakers still. But the first thing that we have to discuss regarding this game is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was sensational tonight. He scored 40 points, got his first triple-double in his playoff career in the process, and you could say at this point that he single-handedly carried that team, especially late in the fourth quarter. So I don't know what their strategy was pregame, but once they hit the court, you could definitely see that they were definitely trying to push the pace against the Lakers by driving into the lane, trying to get contact on the Lakers and get the Lakers in foul trouble. And for the most part, early in the game and then kind of towards later in the game too, it worked fairly successfully. They were able to get the Lakers in foul trouble. I believe Anthony Davis was had three fouls early in the second quarter, which is remarkable because he hasn't really been in any sort of foul trouble throughout the playoffs. And in large part, it was driven by Jimmy Butler. He would drive into the lane, we'd get some easy layups, or he would have a contested layup, and he would get fouled in the process, and he would get to the line to shoot free throws. And even on the defensive end of the ball, the Heat were definitely all over the Lakers today. So the one thing that I think the Heat finally made an adjustment to compared to the first two games of the finals was that they were finally able to slow down Anthony Davis. Because in the first two games of the finals, they really haven't been able to do anything much against, against Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has scored 30-plus points in the first two games in the finals. So in game three, what they ended up doing was whenever Davis would get the ball, they would essentially trap him, whether he was in the paint, whether he was at the top of the key, and they really would make him uncomfortable. So whenever he got the ball, they would drop two Heat players on him, and Davis would either have to kick it out or if he tried to dribble, when you have that trap set there, it is much easier to get a steal from that and they were able to capitalize off of a couple turnovers from Anthony Davis and LeBron James to an extent as well. So the Lakers, they just had a they had a struggle in the first quarter. They turned the ball over 10 times in the first quarter. I mean, just to put that into perspective from Game 2, Game 2 they only had 9 turnovers the entire game. So the Heat were able to get 10 turnovers in just the first quarter. And then later in the game, they were able to get the Lakers into more turnover trouble but we'll get there in a minute. So I really thought, though, that the Heat 
once again, they started off very well in the first quarter, but they couldn't maintain a lead against the Lakers despite the Lakers being in foul trouble and turning the ball over as much as they did. So at the end of the first quarter, I think the Lakers had it within three points. I think it was 28 to 25 at the end of the first quarter. And then the second quarter was back and forth, but I think the name of the game for the Heat was you have to make this a scrappy, hard-fought game against the Lakers because I think they know based on their personnel that they have, that there's no way that they can outshoot the Lakers. They're going to have to play good defense, and they're going to have to make good shots, whether it's from in the paint or if they get good kickouts and get decent looks for their three-point shooters and be able to knock them down, they can win that way too. But for the most part, they have to make it a scrappy game. And in game three, they were really able to achieve that. So I mean, moving on to the second half, the, the Lakers were really never out of it. The, the Heat would make a run. I think the Heat were up at one point by 11 points early in the third quarter. But once again, the Lakers were able to close the gap. And even going into the fourth quarter, the Lakers were only down five points. And then as the fourth quarter started, the Lakers, the Lakers actually got out to a hot start. And at one point, they were up 91-81 to 81 with about, about nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then after that, the Heat just took off. Whether it was Tyler Hero making clutch buckets, whether it was Jimmy Butler knocking down shots. They even got Kelly Olynyk, who was coming off the bench for the most part in this series. He put up decent minutes this game and was able to knock down a couple three-point shots to help the Heat extend their lead over the Lakers. And in the end, the Lakers turned the ball over too many times. I think LeBron had two or three turnovers late in the fourth quarter, and most of those were traveling. So the Heat... The Heat defenders were really good to lock down on LeBron and Anthony Davis as well because they really didn't have much of an impact about halfway through the fourth quarter. And the Heat were able to knock down their shots and able to get contact and get to their free throw line. And it worked, especially Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, especially at the end. They did a great job. And I just I can't say enough about Jimmy Butler in this game. He showed up when he needed to. He played 45 minutes, which is just ridiculous. The guy essentially played the entire second half without taking a break. And the Lakers didn't have an answer for him. Whether they put KCP on him, whether they put Markeith Morris on him, whether they switched LeBron on him a couple times, or even Alex Caruso. There was really no match for Jimmy Butler, and he took advantage of every matchup that he had against him and led the Heat to a great win. So moving forward, I think for Game 4, I think the Lakers are going to take this loss pretty hard. I don't know what LeBron is saying in the post-game interviews right now, but if I had to say they're going to look at the, the film session tomorrow and look at this, and they're probably going to be disgusted about how many turnovers that they gave up. And that's really the one thing I'm going to focus on with the Lakers here. The Lakers have way too many turnovers this game. I mean, it's one thing if you turn the ball over 10 times in one game. I mean, that's okay. That's the... Obviously, you want to limit your turnovers as much as you can, but they had 10 turnovers in the first quarter. You can't have that. And at the end of the game, they had 20 of them. So the game ended up being about a 10-point game. I think Miami won the game by... Let me look up the score real quick. I forgot what the score was. Let me look this up real quick. So the, the Heat won 115-104. to 104. So the Heat won by 11. If, you, if the Lakers were to cut down their turnovers in half to about 10 just this entire game, 
I think the Lakers are at least within striking distance, if not if not tied, if they could probably win if they cut half of their turnovers in this game. So I think that's one thing that they'll look at. I think they'll also look at the fact that they missed a lot of free throws this game. I remember in game one and game two, they were able to knock down a lot of their free throws, but not in game three. It seemed like similar to the Denver series in the Western Conference Finals, they kind of just went through the motions for the most part of the game. And in the third and fourth quarter, they turned it up a little bit, but they did it too late. They gave up way too much in the first half, and then they they were essentially playing catch-up the entire time in the second half. So I think for the rest of the series, I mean, I had the Lakers winning this series in five, and as of right now, that prediction still looks pretty good. So for game four, I think if the Lakers are able to reestablish some sort of space for Anthony Davis, if they're able to get better looks for him, LeBron, and if they get decent bench player production, I think they'll be fine. So I think for game four, I see the Lakers bouncing back in a big way. I don't think it's going to be like a 30-point drubbing like they did against the Heat in game one. I don't think it's going to be like that. But I think they'll probably turn out a good game. I think they'll be able to play some better defense. They'll probably slow Jimmy Butler down a little bit more. But I will say this, though, for the Lakers. They're going to have to watch out if Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo come back. Those two will definitely be game changers. And if they're able to play decent minutes, I know they're not going to be super healthy because I don't even know if Goran Dragic is going to play the series at all with that torn fashion in his foot. I could definitely see Bam coming back. I think they're going to probably give him some sort of injection before game four, see what happens if he can play. But you put those guys out on the court, I mean, it could be a series, and it wouldn't surprise me that if the Heat come out with the same intensity that they did in Game 3, in Game 4, this could potentially be a 6- or 7-game series if the Lakers aren't careful. At this point, this is the Lakers series to lose, but we'll see what happens in Game 4. So I expect the Lakers to win Game 4. I expect LeBron and Anthony Davis to have a bounce-back game. So we'll stay tuned for that. But once again, Jimmy Butler had an amazing game, and I just can't say I can't say anything more about the guy. The guy is just the embodiment of what the Heat want, and he is just stepping up in a big way for them. So with that said, we'll transition to week four in the NFL. I'll go over maybe like two or three games that kind of stood out to me. Uh, the first one that stood out to me was the Bucks game, and what a day from Tom Brady. Now, I know he didn't have the best start. He threw another pick six, and I was reading one of the stats off of Twitter today. This is his fourth pick six in the last six games. So, obviously, he's had a he's had a tough time in that sense of trying to limit pick sixes. But I'll tell you what, he totally forgot about that because after that pick six, the Bucks got it together, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and they just took over today. So they were going up against the Chargers today. And I'll tell you what, the Chargers actually put up a good showing today. I know Justin Herbert's a rookie, and this is only his second start, I think. But he was able to show me a lot today. So he was able to take advantage of a couple matchups that the Bucks threw him. And he showed, he showed, and he did a great job, I thought. I thought he did a great job today. So 
just looking at the stat line, he was 20 to 25 through 290 yards for three touchdowns. He had one interception, but that was late. The Chargers were driving. They were trying to make some sort of a push at the end. Ended up throwing an interception to end the game. But I'm really surprised at what Justin Herbert's done so far. So with that being said, though, let's focus on the Bucks here. I thought Brady was sensational today. 30-46, basically 370 yards through five touchdowns. That one interception hurt. But Brady was a one-man show today, especially in the second half. I think if I'm... If I remember right, they scored in every drive in the second half, unless they had one at the end that I missed. And they scored four touchdowns. All four touchdowns were passing touchdowns to four different receivers. And then I think they had a field goal late at the game to make it a seven-point game. And then obviously they had the the turnover at the end of the game to ice it. So... That was um, it was quite a performance from Tom Brady. It was definitely a vintage performance, and it's kind of bittersweet in a sense because I've been a Patriot fan my entire life, and it's nice to see another fan base watch one of the greatest of all time do it. I mean, he's he to me he's the best quarterback that's ever lived, and I just think that it's nice to see another fan base really experience the talent that the that he has because I don't think there's anything like him. And there were points in the game where it was not going the Bucks way. The Bucks were down 24-7 late in the second quarter. Yet when I looked at my phone and I was seeing the scores and I was kind of surprised that it was 24-7. I thought the Bucks would actually win this game fairly easily. I was surprised that the Bucks put themselves into a hole like that. But once I saw that the game had, was 24 to 14 at halftime, I was like, they'll come back. Brady has been in this situation before and he could pull them out of it again. And sure enough, he did. So they scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. They did an absolutely outstanding job. And the Bucks are currently 3 and 1. So I have to give it up to Brady in this one, man. He did a great job. And for the Bucks fans, man, I'm glad you guys got a good quarterback. I know it's been a long time since you guys have had a really good quarterback at that position. And you got one. So enjoy Brady, man, because he is something special. One of the one of the other games that stood out to me was the, the Panthers and the Cardinals. This was a game where I picked the Panthers to win. Cardinals have had a pretty good start to the season. I thought Kyler Murray's had an outstanding start to the, his second year in the league. And even despite that, though, I picked the Panthers here because I liked what their defense did last week against the Chargers. And I like what Teddy's been doing. Even despite the fact that Christian McCaffrey is out for the foreseeable future, it didn't stop the Panthers from running the ball with Mike Davis. Mike Davis had another good day on the ground. And just looking at Teddy Bridgewater's play, man, he's been since he's been really good. He's been really consistent. He was 26 at 37 through 276 yards, had two touchdowns, had one interception. But in the end, it didn't matter. They were getting they were getting great production from Teddy Bridgewater. He even got a rushing touchdown today. So I think moving forward, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to be an interesting team. I think obviously when they get Christian McCaffrey back, I think they'll be I think they'll definitely be a threat in the NFC South. We'll definitely see what the Saints are able to do because right now the Saints are two and two alongside with Carolina. 
And then the Bucks are currently at three and one, so they are leading the division at this point. But it'll be interesting to see if the Panthers can continue their success with Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. So I like this team. I like this team moving forward. And they can at least make some noise in the NFC South. I don't know if they'll end up winning the NFC South. I think it's going to be a two-headed race between the Saints and the Bucks. But the Panthers can definitely play a spoiler here in the next couple of weeks. So we'll definitely keep an eye out on them. So, and then the last game that kind of stood out to me today was the Cowboys and the Browns. Now, for this game, I picked the Cowboys to win. And I was pretty confident in that pick just because I thought that even when they lost to the Seahawks last week, at least Dak showed me that, you know what, you never give up. Whenever you're down multiple possessions, you at least try to make a comeback. And I thought the Cowboys at least tried to make that comeback against Seattle last week. And it showed me a lot, even despite the fact that their defense gave up, I think it was five touchdowns to Russell Wilson last week. I thought that they would improve upon that. Well, Baker Mayfield walks into town and it looks like the second coming of Tom Brady. I mean, they were outstanding. The Browns were outstanding today. I know Baker only had two touchdowns, only had 160 yard, 165 yards passing, but I mean, they looked great, and they chopped up the Cowboys' defense. I mean, it was spectacular. And not only that, Kareem Hunt on the ground was was sensational. Had 71 yards rushing, had two touchdowns. And of all people to be running the ball well, Odell Beckham had a nice day on the ground. He had one, he only had two carries, but one of the carries was for 50 yards, and it was his third touchdown of the game. So I was just surprised at the Cowboys' defense. I mean, they gave up 30 points in the first half to to the Browns. And they weren't even able to pick off Baker Mayfield once, who was a turnover machine so far in his career. So this, to me, really shows for the Cowboys, this is not a Dak Prescott issue. This is a defensive problem. Because Dak, for the most part, has to dig them out of the hole that their defense puts them in pretty much every game. And until really Dallas fixes this situation with their defense... They're going to go the same record that they always usually go. They're going to be somewhere in between 7-9 and nine and 9-7. Nine and seven. I mean, outside of the first week, I mean, they, they gave up 20 points in the first week. But since then, they gave up 39 to the Falcons. They gave up 38 to the Seahawks. And then they essentially gave up 50 to the, to the Browns today. I mean, they're giving up almost 40 points a game. There's no way you're going to win any football games. Even if you score 35 points, when you're giving up over 40 points a game, you're not going to win football games. So they're 1-3 to start. And I think at this point, they kind of deserve to be at that point. So, And I kind of feel bad for Dak because he at least shows me that, you know what, we might be down, but we're never out. And, look, I mean, just looking at Dak Prescott, I mean, he threw for 500 yards today. Most of it was makeup, but still, he threw for 500 yards, threw four touchdowns. The guy was pretty good as far as I can tell. It's their defense. Their defense needs to be improved. And until that happens, it's going to be more the same for Dallas. So, but good job with the Browns today, man. I was really surprised that the Browns almost put up 50 points today. So I'll give them credit for that. So moving on to the next segment here, we are going to focus on breaking down the AFC conference for the first four weeks of the season. So this will be the quarterly report that I was talking about earlier. So, We'll start in the AFC East. So we'll go down each team. 
and I'll give each team a letter grade just based off of what they've done so far. So we'll start with the Buffalo Bills here. They're currently 4-0, and they won against the Las Vegas Raiders today. I'll tell you what, man. They have been one of the more compelling teams to watch so far just because of what they've been able to do on the offensive side of the ball. I knew Josh Allen was going to be... I thought he would be like an average to mid-level quarterback this year. I definitely saw some progression from last year. His, his ability to run outside of the pocket, to make plays on his feet, and to really throw the ball effectively in key situations last year, I thought really helped the Bills have a decent season last year and even compete against the Patriots in the AFC East, which at this point, really the AFC East has been run by New England for the last decade. And even late in the season last year, the Bills were able to compete against them, even though they didn't end up winning the division. They at least made the Patriots work for it. And I believe for them, it carried over this year. And they are a perfect 4-0 to start the season. So I'm really surprised at Josh Allen's development here. I think he's been sensational. I think him pairing up with Stephon Diggs has been an absolute gem so far. I think they've played outstanding together. Their chemistry seems to be on point. So if I have to give them a letter grade here, I'm going to give them an A. They've earned it at this point. They're 4-0. They're number one, they're number one in the AFC East. And right now, this team can beat anybody. Maybe the Chiefs might be a difficult team for them to play. But outside of that, they can play with anybody in this conference. So definitely have to watch out for them. All right, we'll move on to the Patriots next. They're currently 2-1. and one, And they're playing against the Chiefs this weekend, which is going to be a tough matchup. So... Obviously, with the departure of Tom Brady, it's been different for New England, especially for the fans, adjusting to Cam Newton being their quarterback. But despite the fact that Cam's being the starting quarterback, I think they've played fine. I think the defense has given up some points, especially against that Seattle game where they gave up too many points to Russell Wilson and the crew. But they've played consistent ball here. And I, I've always kind of looked at the preseason I've always looked at the first four weeks for the Patriots as an extension of the preseason, just because really Belichick has been kind of the one preaching that. And I mean, I think they're probably going to lose to the chiefs this week. So they'll start out two and two, but I mean, the two games that they've lost to, they've been against quality opponents. So they've beaten the teams that really they've, they're supposed to beat, And then they've been competitive against really the one team at this point that has been really good so far. So if I have to give them a letter grade, I'm going to give them a B just because if they won that game against Seattle, I would have given them like an A minus, but I'm going to give them a B because I think at this point, they're going to lose that game against Seattle, not against Seattle, against Kansas City, and they'll start the season two and two. So we'll see how it goes, but I think for right now, I'll give the Patriots a B right now. So we'll move on to the Dolphins next. The Dolphins really haven't done much to impress me so far this year. So just looking at the matchups that they've had, I mean, in week one, they only scored 11 points against the Patriots. They were competitive against the Bills in week two. I'll give them a little bit of credit, and then they won their first game against the Jaguars. But they just really haven't done much to impress me. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick as a starter. Obviously, uh, Tua, Te I can't say his last name, Tua Tagovailoa, something like that, is waiting in the wings. Is definitely learning from Ryan Fitzpatrick a little bit. But... This team is going to be as good as I think Ryan, Pat, Ryan Fitzpatrick takes them. They're 1-3 to start. 
They lost to Seattle today in a close game. So at least they're competitive somewhat in these games. But I just don't really see them moving forward that far this season. So if I had to give them a letter grade, I'm going to give them a C- minus, just because that they're 1-3 and three and they just really haven't done anything to impress me. And then we move on to the Jets. All right. I'm going to be as nice as possible with the Jets here. They suck. They are the worst team in the NFL. And that is putting it lightly. If if I were to go really tough on them, if the NFL had some sort of relegation system like they do in the Premier League, the Jets should have already been relegated after the first three or four games this season. They are awful. This team is hot garbage. So the the one thing that has stood out to me about the Jets is that Adam Gase has literally no idea what he's doing. Sam Darnold is in a situation where I don't even know what he can do. He he has nobody to throw to. He has like he has no receivers. I mean, just looking at who he threw to today. Let's let's look at who he threw to. Okay, Jameson Crowder. So Jameson Crowder played on the on the Redskins back when it was called the Redskins for the most part of his career. Crowder was mostly either a second or third option. And in the Jets system, he's their number one receiver. And then after that, you have Jeff Smith and if Chris Hogan. I mean, these guys are not even these guys aren't even close to number one receivers. And then Frank Gore, just because Le'Veon Bell is out for an extended period of time, you have Frank Gore, who is 35 years old and hasn't aged a bit, which is crazy. If you look at the pictures of what he looked like coming into the league and you look at him now, he hasn't changed one bit. It's absolutely ridiculous. But Frank Gore is not a number one running back at this point. He's in the latter part of his career and he's just not somebody that should be really getting a lot of touches at this point. I mean, just looking at what the rushing stats were for the Jets today. I mean, Sam Darnold was the leading rusher, had 84 yards, got a rushing touchdown. And Frank Gore had 13 carries for 30 yards. So this team is just an eyesore to watch. Their defense sucks. I mean, their defense has given up 30, gave up 37 points to the Broncos today. They gave up 36 to the Colts last week. And then two weeks ago, they gave up 31 to the 49ers. I mean, this team is hot garbage. And it wouldn't surprise me if Adam Gase loses his job. I think at this point he should, whether it's in the, the next couple of weeks or at the end of the season. But this team will be lucky to win two or three games this, this year. And I'm just looking at their schedule. I think really the only games that they might win are against the Dolphins and that that might be it. I really think the Dolphins are going to be the only team to beat. Maybe the Chargers, just because that they'd be going up against a rookie quarterback. They played the Cardinals next week. There's no way that the Cardinals are losing to them. The Cardinals are a far superior team to the Jets. And yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the only team that they could beat are probably the Dolphins. That's it. They're not beating the Chiefs. They're not beating the Bills. And they're not beating the Raiders. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the Jets end up with the number one pick after this year because they have been absolutely atrocious. So if I'm giving them a letter grade, it's an F, and it's not even close.
So we'll move on to the AFC West right now. So now that it's actually be kind of refreshing because you actually talk about a good team here. We're going to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs have been 3-0 to start the season. As per usual, Patrick Mahomes has been sensational. All the skill position receivers have been outstanding as well with McCole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey coming up big in every game that they play. Their defense has been spectacular so far. They've only given up 60 points so far. They'll go up against New England, and I expect them to probably score another 30-plus games. Not 30-plus games. 30-plus points in this game. So if they start off the season 4-0, I'm going to give them an A+. They've, they're the Super Bowl champs. They've lived up to their Super Bowl pedigree, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs keep on playing this way. They're the cream of the crop in the AFC, and I don't see really anybody slowing them down except themselves. They're really their own enemy at this point. So Chiefs, A+, and it's not even close. All right, so we got the Raiders next. The Raiders are currently 2-2. Two and two. I actually thought that the Raiders started off the season pretty well the first two games. However, they've dropped the last two with both of them being against AFC East opponents in the Patriots and the Bills. So I like what John Gruden's done. I think they have a decent culture out there that's set up in Las Vegas. And I think it'll be interesting to see where this team goes in the next couple weeks. They have some tough matchups. They have the Chiefs next week. They have the Bucks after that. And then they play the Browns and the Chargers. So, if the if the Raiders live up to somewhat like they've played the first two weeks of the season, I think they'll be okay. I think they can tread water here, but they have a they have a they have a tough road for them the next couple of weeks, and it wouldn't surprise me if this team starts to really take a slide in these next couple of weeks. But we'll see how it goes from here. If I had to give them a letter grade at this point, I'm gonna give them a C plus. They looked good in the first two games, but they dropped off pretty significantly in the last two weeks. So they're two and two. We'll see where they go from here. So with the Broncos, the Broncos are currently one and three. Really, the Broncos have been hit by injuries. That's really the one thing. Drew Locke was hurt. I think Cortland Sutton's out for the year. I believe he tore his ACL. So this team is really is really struggling just because of the injury front. And, and not to mention the fact that Von Miller is out for the season as well. So, they just been hit by the injury bug really bad this year. So, looking at their games, though, I mean, outside of the Bucks game, they've been competitive. I mean, they beat the Jets last week. They were competitive against the Steelers, and they almost beat the Titans. So, they're currently 1-3. I just don't see this team going anywhere special. This I just don't see this team really going anywhere this year because the injuries have really, have really bogged them down this year. So, it's unfortunate when injuries strike, they suck because it's just it's hard to replace those guys, especially if you have injuries to someone like Von Miller, who's essentially the captain of the defense. That's a that's a huge blow to the team, and I think for the rest of the year, I think the Broncos are just going to be struggling for the rest of the year. So, if I had to give them a letter grade, I'm going to give them a C, maybe a C minus. It just it's been it's been a tough season for them so far especially on the injury front so then we move on to the Chargers Chargers have been a little bit of an interesting team this year they started uh, to Rod Taylor to start the season then you had some sort of medical mishap when it came to an injection that he was getting in his chest the doctor the team doctor ended up puncturing his lung 
and has been out for the last couple of weeks. So Justin Herbert has stepped in. And to be honest with you, even though they've lost the last three games that they've played, they have been competitive. I mean, they almost beat the Bucs today, and, and I was shocked that the Bucs were struggling this much against the Chargers. But like I said earlier in the podcast, I give the Chargers credit. You know, to put a rookie quarterback in here, and for him to do somewhat decent and not be a turnover machine like somebody like Baker Mayfield in the first couple starts of his career. I give credit to Justin Herbert. He's been he's been pretty good to start this to start, especially after losing Terod Taylor to that punctured lung situation. So they were competitive against the Chiefs. They took them to overtime. They were competitive against the Panthers. They only lost by five points against the Panthers. And they almost beat the Bucs today. But in the NFL, it's a results driven league, and they're one in three. So that does kind of bog them down. They play the Saints next week. I think the Chargers are going to probably lose that one. They should beat the Jets after that. And then they have some easy matchups against the Dolphins and the Jags. So they have a chance to kind of make a name for themselves in the next couple of weeks. But based off of the first four weeks, if I'm giving them a grade, I'm going to give them a C. I think their record doesn't really indicate of, of how competitive they played, but I'm going to give them a C. So we'll move on to the AFC North. And we'll start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers have been fantastic this start this year. I thought Big Ben's had a decent comeback year. And really, they've been able to really effectively run the ball. Whether it's James Conner, whether it's Benny Bell. They've been they've been consistent running the ball. They've had a 100-yard rusher in three straight games. Now, granted, their competition that they played up against hasn't really been spectacular. They played probably against some of the lower-end teams in the league. They played against the Giants, the Broncos, and the Texans. And then they played the Eagles next. So I wouldn't say they're necessarily playing against top-notch competition. But you have to beat the teams that you're playing up against, and they've beaten everybody so far. So just based on how they played so far, I'm going to give them an A-. minus just because they're at the top of the AFC North. And to be at the top of the AFC North against somebody like the Baltimore Ravens, it's a good look for them. So I'm going to say an A- minus for the Steelers. So moving on, we have the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens have been, been pretty good so far. They had the one loss against the Chiefs, which it's not really surprising. You're going up against the Chiefs and the Super Bowl champions. So it's, it's just one thing with the Chiefs, man. The Ravens haven't really been able to figure out the Chiefs yet. Whenever they've been matched up against them, the Ravens have been somewhat competitive against them. But this is the last matchup against the Chiefs. The Chiefs really, really took it to them. And the Ravens were really never a factor. But Lamar Jackson is continuing his success from his MVP season last year. They've had decent wins. I mean, they smoked the Browns in the first week of the season. Then they beat the Texans, lost to the Chiefs. But then they beat Washington today. I thought Lamar Jackson looked good. Kind of had a return to glory in, in a sense of what he looked like last season and the way that he was able to run the ball effectively on that read option. He, he had a nice read option touchdown today. Kind of reminded me of what he did last year when he won the MVP. So if I had to pick a grade for them, I'm going to say I'm gonna say a B plus. If they... If they obviously if they beat the Chiefs, I'd give them an A. They'd be at the top of the AFC North at this point. But I think at this point for them, if they just keep on playing the way that they've played, I think they're fine. And I think they could end up going to the AFC Championship game this year. 
if they play their cards right and they keep being the teams that they have to. So I'm going to say B-plus to start for them. And then we move on to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns have been qu quite a surprise to me. I mean, I was scared for the Browns after they got smacked by the Ravens in week one, lost by 32 points. But since then, they've been solid. So they played against the Bengals after that week one shellacking that they took, beat them. Then they beat Washington the week after that, and they beat the Cowboys today. And you can kind of make the same point that they really haven't played against top-notch competition like I was talking about with Pittsburgh earlier. But you play against the teams that you're matched up against, and they're 3-1 and one to start the season. Now, they will have some tougher matchups. So they have the Colts next week. They have the Steelers the week after that. Then they have another divisional game against the Bengals. And then they play against the Raiders in the beginning of November. So, to my surprise, they've been playing consistent. Baker's not turning the ball over as, as is not turning the ball over as much as he has. And I think if they continue to play the way that they've had, I think they'll be okay. So, I think similar to the Ravens, I want to give them a B plus, but I'm going to give them a B just because I think the Ravens are the better team. So I'm going to give the Browns a B for the first quarter of the season. And then we move on to the last team in the AFC North. We have the Cincinnati Bengals. So they are currently 1-2-1. One, and one. So with Joe Burrow being the starting quarterback, he's a rookie. He's had his first four starts in the league. And I think he's been okay. I think, I think when you go into a situation as a number one pick, obviously the Bengals had a terrible season last year. And... They don't necessarily have a lot of talent really on the offensive side of the ball outside of Joe Mixon and A.J. Green. But Joe Burrow has been playing somewhat decent. So he hasn't really been turning the ball over much. He had a decent game against the Bengals today. as Not against the Bengals, against the Jaguars. So they ended up getting their first win of the season against them. I mean, he was 25-36 through 300 yards and had a touchdown. So... Not only that, Joe Mixon had a decent day on the in the run game too. So, I think for I think really the best thing that I could say for the Bengals is just make sure that you protect Joe Burrow moving forward. If they're able to do that, I think they'll be fine. Obviously, I think the Bengals are looking to, towards the future here. And at this point, Joe Burrow's main goal is to just keep developing for the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals and see where it goes from there. So, for their grade. Based on what they are, they're 1-2-1. One, one. They played well against the Eagles last week. And they played decent against the Chargers in week one. So, they've been competitive. I'll, I'll give them that. So, I'm going to give them a C- minus in this one just based off of their record. I think, moving forward, I think they're going to have some tough matchups. they got the Ravens and the Colts. So, it, it's going to be tough sledding for them in the next couple of weeks. But I'm going to give them a C-. minus. You know what? I'll give them a C. I'll give them a C to start, not a C-. minus. I think a C- minus would be a little bit too harsh. All right, so then we have the last division in the AFC South. So at first, we're going to start with the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans have been perfect to start the season. And to be honest with you, if you look at the consistency that Ryan Tannehill's been playing at, he's been spectacular. In week one, had 249 yards passing, had two touchdowns. In week two, let me pull up the stats real quick for them. In week two, 
same thing. He had a, he had another great game. He had 239 yards passing, had four touchdowns. And then in week three against the Vikings, he had another great day. He had 320 yards passing. I know he had the one interception, but he's been playing spectacular. He's been playing up to that contract that they gave him. And on top of that, they're getting consistent play from Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in the league. Is an absolute nightmare to tackle. And to really know, really, it's not really a shock to me. Tennessee is exactly where I thought they would be. At the top of the AFC South. And they're going to vie for that top spot against the Colts. So it'll be interesting to see where this division goes. I think it's really a two-headed race between the Colts and the Titans. But based off of the first couple of weeks of the season, I like where the Titans are at. So I'm going to give them an A-. minus. They've earned it. And it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they end up taking the AFC South if they continue to play like this. So we'll move on to the Colts next. So the Colts have been just as good as the Titans. I know they have one loss on their record. And it was a it was a bad loss against the Jaguars. That was a game that the Colts should have had. I'll give them a little bit of leeway since it was game one. It's the first game of the season. And you didn't have a preseason on top of it. So I'll give them a little bit of leeway in that sense. But since then, they've played decent. They play, played well against the Vikings in week two. They absolutely smashed the Jets as they should have in, in week three. And then in week four... They beat an undefeated Bears team, which, to, to my surprise, I, I was amazed that the Bears were undefeated to begin with. So I think the one thing that we're going to have to focus on with the Colts here is just to make sure that Philip Rivers doesn't turn the ball over. Rivers has always been known to turn the ball over, especially at bad times when he was on the Chargers. So I think moving forward, if he limits his turnovers, I think they'll be fine. I think if they continue to pound the rock with Jonathan Taylor, I think they'll be good. I think the main thing with Jonathan Taylor is just keep getting him carries and just to build his confidence up. And I think they'll go a long way with him. Obviously, their wide receiver position is a little bit hurt with Paris Campbell being out for an extended period of time. So I wish, they're, I wish they weren't as bad when it comes to injuries on the wide receiver side of the ball. But outside of that, the defense has been pretty good. They've only given up 11, 7, and 11 points in the last three weeks. So their defense has been playing top-notch. I mean, the defense has been spectacular. And I like the way that this team is set up moving forward. They're playing against the Browns next week, so that'll be a good game. They got the Bengals after that. Then they got the Lions, and then they got a big game against the Ravens after that. So up till this point, I'm going to say that they've earned an A-. minus. They're 3-1. and one. I like where they're at, and I think... If they continue to play this way, I think they'll be a foe to contend. I think they'll definitely be a team to contend with in the AFC South. And they could definitely make some noise if they make it into the playoffs. So do not sleep on the Indianapolis Colts because they've earned it at this point. All right, we'll move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are currently 3-1. and one. I'm really not going to say much about the Jaguars here. I don't really think they're anything special outside of freaking Minshew's hair. Outside of that. They're just, they're not that special of a team to me. So, I don't really have much to say about Jacksonville just because I I really don't know much about them. I know freaking DJ Chark had a hell of a game today. But, yeah, I just, I, I really don't have that much to say about them. They're just kind of a, just an eh team. They're one and three. They're not really impressing me in any sort of way. And, 
That's where I'm just like that. I'm just eh with them. So if I'm giving them a letter grade, I'm going to give them like a C, C minus. Just I'm not overly impressed with them. So now this one, this one's going to hurt me a little bit just because I, I don't like this team, but I like the quarterback. And we're going to talk about the Houston Texans. And the Houston Texans have just been it's it's been difficult to say the least for Texans. I mean, the first two weeks of the season, they played the Chiefs and the Ravens, arguably the top two teams in the AFC. And then the next week, they played the Steelers, who have been outstanding so far to start the 2020 season. And then I thought they had an opportunity to gain some traction, get their legs underneath them, and move forward against the Vikings today. And I thought at home they would have made a big impact moving forward for this season, at least to make somewhat of a name for themselves. And they ended up dropping another loss against the Vikings today, and now they're currently 0-4. Deshaun Watson is one of the more athletic quarterbacks in the league, and personally he's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. And it just sucks to kind of see this whole team just not get it together. Even J.J. Watt has been frustrated with this team. So this team is in trouble. And I will say this, when it comes to Bill O'Brien, if he's not able to turn the ship around and get things under control, he may end up on the hot seat. And depending on if this season goes from bad to worse, he might end up out of a job. So I like they're playing the Jaguars next. They have a big game against the Titans. They have to win these next two games if they want to get back into some sort of playoff contention. But it doesn't really get any easier after that. They play the Packers, and then they play the Jags. And and playing against the Jags, that's a divisional game, and you never know where that can go. But based off of the first four weeks of the seasons, as much as it hurts me to say, i got to give them a D. They're 0-4, and they're lucky I'm not giving them an F. But they've been competitive in the last two games. They just haven't been able to win them. But I'm going to give them a D here. So I don't like giving that grade to them. I like Deshaun Watson, but it's just um, it just sucks to see the Texans not playing as well as they ha- should have been. So that'll wrap up the AFC. We'll dive into the NFC report card on the next episode later in the week. So definitely stay tuned for that. And then we're going to wrap up the episode with a little bit of sympathy for one of my friends from college. My friend Brandon Grant has had quite a tough road these last couple months when it comes to the teams that he's followed. So Brandon is a Giants fan. And as you guys will find out later in the week when I give the report card for the Giants, the Giants are one of the worst teams in the NFL. There's no way to sugar. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They are arguably the worst team right next to the Jets. And it's crazy that both both teams are in the same city and they are the worst teams in the NFL. And I will say this. The Giants did somewhat decent against the Rams. I thought the Rams were going to smoke them today. I thought the Rams were going to win by like 20, 25 points. But at least New York was competitive today. I'll give them credit for that. But it doesn't help when Saquon Barkley's been hurt. 
Obviously, Daniel Jones has no offensive line. He's running for his life. And I'm surprised he hasn't been hurt yet because of the lack of offensive linemen who are able to protect him. So I feel for Brandon in that sense just because his go-to football team is a dumpster fire. And then on top of that, you have Manchester United, which is his favorite soccer team in the Premier League. And they lost 6-1 to today in just a shellacking against Tottenham. I mean, I was just looking at the score. I mean, I knew, I knew the score was bad. I, I knew it was bad. And then when I looked at the table, and the table is the standing for the Prem, so there's 20 teams, and number one is the is the top team with the amount of point with the highest number of points, and then the bottom is the lowest with the lowest number of points. Now, granted, it's early in the season, and I imagine they'll improve throughout the season, but Man U is currently 16th. And if you guys don't know, the bottom three teams in the Prem end up getting relegated, and they are out of the Prem that next season. Now, they can come back if they end up in the top three in the lower division. I think it's called, I don't know this off the top of my head. I think it's like the Champions, it's not Champions League, it's something else. I, I'll look up the name later. But I'm not saying that they're going to be, I'm not going to say they're going to get relegated. But they have got to get it together. Because if they get relegated, I don't know how you come back from that. Man U's been struggling for the last couple of years, but I just I feel for Brandon in this sense just because when I saw that score today and where I saw where Manchester United was on the table, it just I just had to feel for the guy. So without further ado, I'm gonna take this bottle of Jack Daniels and pour me a shot in honor of this is going to be a sympathy shot for Brandon. Brandon, I know you don't need my pity, but you're getting it from me anyway. So this is for you, bro. <clears throat> well, I think this will be a good way to end the uh, the podcast. So with that said, we'll wrap up the episode. And I appreciate you guys listening in. And we will be dropping the next episode for the home field podcast later in the week. So definitely stay tuned for that. Like I said, we'll go over the NFC report card. We'll probably dive into a little bit more for the NBA finals. So definitely stay tuned for that. And then I will be uh, releasing new content for YouTube later in the week. I might put something on when I might put something up with the report card for the NFL later in the week on YouTube. We'll see where that goes, but you're definitely going to get two episodes from me this week here and then additional content on YouTube on top of that. And then you guys can follow the home field podcast, whether it's on Instagram, Twitter, or that YouTube page, go check it out. There's, I'll have more content up by the end of the week. So that'll wrap it up from here, you guys. So I would want to thank you guys for listening in and take it easy.